Josh here. This is the NOYC Godcast, a production of the Northern Ohio Youth Camp. Through various means, including a week of summer camp, youth conferences, sporting events, Christian content, and now a new podcast, the NOYC strives to give Christians a reason to continue on in Christ. Today will be a very special edition of the NOYC Godcast as we air a segment from our video devotion series, Shattered, which premiered at the NOYC back in 2019. We pray that Shattered will truly challenge and invigorate your soul as you continue on for Christ. For more information regarding the ministry, as well as additional Christian content, please visit our website at www.thenoyc.com. Have you ever met that person who drives the car that's literally falling to pieces? You know the one I'm talking about, the one that's got scrapes and dings and dents all over it? It's got a couple of busted out windows and it's missing the hood. Half of the roof has been ripped off and is replaced by plywood. The muffler and the exhaust are just dragging along the road underneath of the car. And it probably has three tires, two of which are flat. But the person just keeps driving it. It's fine. We're good, you can hear him say from the driver's seat. They're denying that there's anything wrong with this hunk of a junk that they call a car. And chances are that as long as they deny that their car is broken, it's never going to be fixed. And it's never going to run as it was intended. Actually, with the car aside, there's a lot of people who have the same sad problem. I'm going to cut right to the chase. There are a lot of people and their lives are a mess. Their health is failing and their marriage is falling apart. They're addicted. They're buried in debt and they're facing failure of every kind. And they keep going through life as if to say, I'm fine. Everything's good here. There's nothing to see. And just like that hunk of junk jalopy, their lives will never be fixed of their broken state because they're denying that there's anything wrong. What a lot of people fail to recognize, especially outside of the church house, is how the broken pieces of our lives were never a part of the plan. In other words, most of us know that God created a perfect and complete and absolute paradise at the beginning of time. And it was his intent for there to be no sin, no pain, no struggles, no heartache of any kind in our lives, yet man chose otherwise. And so the broken perspective we each experience was never a part of God's plan. Let me try to explain this concept in another way. I want everyone to just close their eyes. Come on, just amuse me for a second. I I know you're still cheating. Yeah, third row back. Yeah, come on, close your eyes and just listen. Imagine the universe now all of the world around you, everything that you know of, all of the planets, the solar system, 
the sun, the galaxies, and the stars, imagine its vast entirety as it is today. It's pretty difficult to picture, I know. But I want you all to imagine it all on rewind. And I want you to imagine rewinding all of history up until this point, until you rewind existence far enough back to the moment that there is literally nothing. Everything that you were once picturing a few seconds ago, gone, removed, vanished from existence. And now we press play on the very moment before everything, everything literally existed. Now, most of us, especially if you've grown up in church, have been taught the account of Genesis chapter one. In fact, we've probably somewhat memorialized this in our minds to imagine God speaking the words, let there be, and poof, like a magic trick, the sun, the planets, the waters, all of it, it just appeared. And the angels applaud the cool party trick that God just did. And don't get me wrong, he literally did create everything that has ever been simply by speaking. But just for a couple of minutes, with your eyes still closed, you cheaters, I want us instead to picture all of creation in a much different way. Picture, if you will, for a second, God sitting down on a very large heavenly potter's wheel with all of his majesty and all of his power and all of his might, this dynamic deity taking all of his ability with his heavenly hands, he molds, he shapes, he forms, and he creates a perfect universe. This handcrafted creation is faultless in every way. Every detail is perfection. Every aspect is complete. If you believe that God is mighty and that he has all power and that he's all knowing, just imagine if he focused all of that might and power and knowledge into one single masterpiece. It would be beyond description. And that's exactly what God did. He created creation. Then he looks down upon this vast masterpiece and says that it is good. But then, looking down at the majestic masterpiece that he's molded, God realizes that there's still one more creation he's in need of. There's a detail to this handcrafted creation that still needs to be added. This masterpiece that is so marvelous that someone besides God needs to enjoy what he's created, and someone else needs to recognize just how much might he had in creating it. So God, once again, takes to the potter's wheel to work his wonder. This time, will be creating a creature, the perfect man. Now, ladies, I don't know what that Adam looked like, but you better believe that if God can make a universe in all of its wonder and all of its beauty, that's beyond impressive. The first and perfect man had to be a sight to be held. God created man and formed him literally from clay. God, after hanging the stars and placing planets and gathering galaxies, after using his mighty hands, to create all of the big and amazing things that we see, then reached down and formed flesh from a small amount of dirt. These big hands now held the perfect human. We all know that the story goes on with Adam and Eve, perfect people living in this perfect place that God had created, dwelling in the perfect Garden of Eden with every need met miraculously. In fact, the word Eden means delight. This perfect world had no pain, no suffering, no labor, no death, no sickness, no disease, or any other terribleness that we can think of. God looked down on his perfect universe that he had pulled out all the stops for. He looked down on his perfect creation of mankind. And in Genesis 1:31, God had to admit that what he had just created, it was very good. What's more is the fact that because it was perfect in every way, God was able to abide there every day. In the most reverent way I can, God is a perfectionist. What I mean by that is that he has a standard of perfection that's required. 
in order for him to remain holy and to remain God. And if he were to accept or abide in a less than perfect place, he would cease from being perfect and holy, and therefore would cease from being God. And so in this paradise of perfection, with his masterpiece of mankind, God dwelt with Adam and with Eve in the Garden of Delight, in the Garden of Eden. We don't know how long this perfect paradise went on for, or how long that Adam and Eve got to enjoy this majestic masterpiece that God had placed them in. It obviously was long enough for Adam to name every animal that God had created. But regardless of how long it lasted, the point that we have to grasp here is that this masterpiece that God had created was plan A. It was perfect. It was faultless. It was complete in every way. It really was an absolutely amazing plan for mankind to enjoy forever. Until that day. Now, if you've grown up in church, you know what comes next. But I want you once again to amuse me for a second as we look at the next part in a different light. So let's close our eyes again and try to imagine. Imagine all of the universe, God's perfect paradise, sitting on a perfect pedestal. And next to it, we see a second pedestal that he has placed his perfect people, mankind, upon. Both are fit for the finest exhibit that eternity could explain. God proudly displays them on the pedestal because the greatness of his creations brings him glory. And so, as the master creator, the master artist that created perfection, it is only fitting that he places them on a pedestal for display. That is until one day that would change eternity forever. As the perfect paradise, as the universe sits upon the pedestal with mankind sitting beside, Satan enters the picture. We know that Satan tempts Eve, who tempts Adam to eat of the one single tree which God had commanded them not to eat from. And upon biting into this fruit from this one tree, sin entered into the perfect paradise. But just for a minute, with your eyes closed again, I want you to mentally imagine all of existence, the universe, picture all of the galaxies sitting on their pedestal, with mankind sitting the next pedestal over. Now imagine the very millisecond that Adam and Eve take this bite from this fruit. It's as if they shove these majestic masterpieces off of the pedestals that they sit upon. Picture the earth, the galaxies, and mankind in slow motion, tumbling from atop the pedestals and falling to the ground. In a split second, God's plan A, the perfection of paradise, this majestic masterpiece of the Almighty, has fallen, and it now lies shattered into billions of pieces on the ground. Now the world that man would live in, all that exists, and all of mankind are broken and shattered by this sin. This is the state in which each of us finds the world we're born into, shattered. Every time we face a tragedy, every heartache, every trial, temptation, every struggle is a direct result of plan A, the perfection of God's creation laying broken on the floor. Because of the decision which mankind made, some would say, well, he's God, can't he just start over with a snap of his fingers? The problem is that now that it's broken and God who is perfect must distance himself from this imperfection in order to remain God. So he boots Adam and Eve from the garden and moves on to plan B for his masterpiece. Many of us could point at Adam and Eve and with disbelief say, really? You couldn't avoid that one tree? You couldn't watch where you're going so that you didn't break everything? But the truth is that we're all just like, well, Adam. And in fact, even if you weren't born a descendant of his race, the truth is that in a very similar way, with the very first decision that you made to sin, even as a child, 
You too are knocking God's perfect plan for you off its pedestal. And with your first sin, you separate yourself from God and his perfection. And what's left for your life lies shattered on the ground. Really, with every sin we make after our first, it's as if we step on and begin to crush the broken pieces of our lives into smaller and smaller and more and more broken pieces. We are a self-shattering people. God has a perfect plan, a perfect life for each of us to live. He takes the heavenly potter's wheel and intricately designs the perfect life for you. And yet we chose this fragmented and crumbled, broken, shattered life instead. A life that separates us from God in His perfection. But many of us are like the person with that car that we discussed earlier. We stand here with our life literally shattered into millions of pieces on the ground, denying that anything is wrong. It's fine. It's not as bad as it looks. I've got everything under control. We tell ourselves these things over and over again when the truth is that we are a broken mess. Even though God could have been perfectly justified in leaving us in this broken state that we chose for ourselves, the fact is that God cared so much for his beloved creation that he set out on a plan B to bring himself under the masterpiece of man which he so loved. The skillful and mighty hands of the master couldn't leave us in a sinful and shattered state with no hope. And so he begins to place a plan into motion, a broken backup plan, if you will, that would once again change eternity. In the Old Testament, we see God working to convince us of our brokenness and our need for fixing through sacrifice and the law. God provides all of these commandments, these rules and these guidelines and requires all of these sacrifices of different kinds. And most of us in 2019 look at these and scratch our head and think, what is all that about? But what if God, who was there when perfection prevailed, knew that there was a way for us once again to come near to him in holy perfection. But the only problem was that we as humans couldn't figure out that we were broken. Imagine that person with the jalopy from earlier, meeting a mechanic who told them that they could have the perfect car if they would just give it to him. And so the mechanic, through his explanation, begins to fix the flat tires and buff out the scratches and as an illustration of the perfection that could be and that that car was intended for. In other words, if left alone, this car's owner never would admit that their car was broken or that it could be fully repaired until the mechanic showed them the potential that lied within. If they would just give him the keys. God provides the laws of the Old Testament in a very similar way, which was not meant to be the fix to the car or, I mean, our life, but was meant to help us to recognize that we are broken and we are sinful. This is the lessons from the Old Testament laws. Because in order for God's master plan B to work, we have to realize that we're broken. He cannot fix us. He can't pick up the shattered pieces of our intended perfect life and make us complete and whole again until we first accept that we need him to do so, until we first admit that we're broken. With the commandments, God brings the system of sacrifices. Now, if the commands intend to show us that we need to be fixed and that we are in fact broken, the sin sacrifices of the Old Testament show us that we can't help but to keep on breaking. In other words, if it really was as simple as all of the brokenness from our sins being reversed by simply sacrificing a lamb or a bullock or whatever that is, and then we could go back to plan A and be perfect and be with God forever, you would think every person on the planet would sacrifice their lamb and all would be well. But the sacrifice system shows us that we are prone to wander 
We are so fragile and that every single time he would forgive for our sins, we would bump into the pedestal again and shatter God's masterpiece with our sin. God needed us to realize that we are broken so he can fix us. But he also needed to show us that we can't fix ourselves. We cannot remain unbroken by our own efforts. And this is the Old Testament in a very simplified way. Man, realizing we are living a broken life that needs fixed and that no matter how hard we try, we cannot become unbroken. We cannot practice perfection in our own efforts. Thankfully, this was not the end of God's plan B. In fact, it was more of a teaching point that was necessary for plan B to be completed. This time, God has in mind a final fix. We then make it to the New Testament. The world and all of mankind are still broken, living shattered lives in our sins, continually breaking the pieces smaller and smaller. And then Jesus enters the scene. The same God that began with a blank, vast nothing and formed with his words all that would ever exist. The masterful creator who perfected paradise and watches his creation broke it put on the same clay that he had formed mankind from. This mighty God who is all power and might literally took the clay he formed man into and begins to cover himself with it. This God made man comes to the earth in flesh and blood. He lives a perfect life in every way, never sinning, never slipping up, never making a mistake even once. By God living perfectly while in the flesh, he lived an example of what life was intended to be. God covered in clay, gave a glimpse of mankind in plan A, in the perfect condition and life we were each intended and showed what a life would look like that was not broken and shattered. Jesus would live in this perfect and whole state for 33 and a half years on this broken earth, but that was just the beginning of plan B. If it were not shocking enough that this all-powerful God would place himself in clay, in flesh, and come to this broken earth, he then placed himself upon man's pedestal. Upon the cross, which man had formed for torture and death, a cross that was a direct result of the original breaking that man had caused. Upon the cross, Christ places himself, the skilled, masterful, and powerful deity, now wrapped in fragile clay, places himself upon man's pedestal that is the cross. And Jesus there makes the ultimate decision to become broken himself, not as a result of a sinful mistake of his own, such as man made, but as an act of love. You may know that the book of Isaiah says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. It's so fantastically fitting that the word bruised, as in bruised for our iniquities, literally translates to the word broken, crushed, or shattered. Jesus took the pedestal of man and allowed for himself and all of his perfection to be broken, even more to be crushed and shattered for our sins. Why would God, in all of his ability and might and power, why would the hands of such a skilled and masterful creator choose to stretch those same hands he created perfection with and stretch them on a cross and die? He would become broken and shattered, not even for the sins of his own, but for our sins. What we have to realize is this is the only way that it could be. By dying on the cross, plan B was set into motion. The cross crushing was a go but plan B was far from over. Jesus would die that day on the cross, on man's pedestal of torture. He would be placed in a tomb that was sealed and guarded, but that was far from the end. In all of his might and all of his power, this shattered savior would restore perfection, coming whole again. 
Christ rose from the dead and defeated sin, death, hell, and the grave. The word defeat means to win victory over, to reject or block, to render null and void. When Jesus raised to life on the third day after dying and being shattered, he fulfilled plan B. Jesus defeats death, he wins victory, he rejects, blocks, and renders null and void the shattering, broken state that man had self-chosen. Truly, this plan B was a resurrection, restoration of a plan A. He himself was made whole and complete once again. But in doing so, Jesus Christ made a way that each and every single person that will ever live upon this broken earth can leave behind their shattered self. They can forfeit their broken lives and have a life that is forgiven, whole, and perfect through Christ. This, this is plan B. Actually, if we're being truthful, this was always plan A. It really is an amazing story that many have become so numb to that we don't appreciate it any longer. But the fact of the matter is that this is what life is about. This story, this story of salvation, this story of redemption from our broken state, the story of being made whole and complete again in Christ is the most important story that you will ever be a part of. What is sadly overlooked actually is the part that we do play in the story. It would have been so much simpler if that were the end of it all and mankind were forgiven from that point on. However, just as man chose to intentionally, through our sins, break the masterpiece and all the perfection that God had meant for us, it's also up to each person individually to choose to be made whole again. Each and every single person who lives and dies upon this earth has two choices that all of life could boil down to. Be broken, remain in your shattered state with the pieces of your life lying on the ground all around you. As you continue to break more and more with every decision you make, you can deny that there's anything wrong and ignore your shattered self. Denying that you need help, denying that you need the pieces of your life put back together. Or believe that you are broken. Admit that you've done nothing to make a mess of your life. Accept that you're a breaker who needs a final fix, a righteous repair. We cannot become saved until we believe that we are broke. We cannot be saved until we have a broken belief. How can God fix you? How can Christ pick up the pieces of your life unless you first admit that it's in pieces? He cannot save those who will not admit that they're lost. This may be a bit controversial, but too many people are visiting the altars in our culture today and are leaving in just as much of a mess as they came. Jesus never intended to allow himself to become crushed so that we could ask him as our savior and yet remain unchanged and unaffected and in full honesty, unneeding of his sacrifice. Instead, for anyone who will come in humility and brokenness and openly and fully admit that they are in need of Jesus Christ to make them whole, to take the mess that is their life and make it his masterpiece once again with his same might and powerful hands that formed existence and stretched out on the cross, he will reach down, scoop up the broken pieces of your life he will forgive you of everything that you've broken and he will restore you once again. After we accept and admit that we're broken and sinful and in need of a savior, he makes us whole once again through his might. And in our restored state, he can once again dwell among us, commune with us and be our God. He can make needed repairs when we begin to fracture along the way. He can work in our fragile selves daily to become that perfect masterpiece that he intended. But it all starts with you. Do you believe that you're broken?
In May 1982, there was a British violinist named Peter Cropper, who was world-renowned. Cropper's work was so outstanding that the Royal Academy of Music in London had honored him by lending him a priceless 258-year-old Stradivarius violin. It is the dream of every violinist to be able to play such an instrument and was of the highest honors. But a terrible thing happened while Cropper was performing in Finland. He tripped. He fell on top of the Stradivarius violin and broke it. Cropper's pleasant dream of playing such a prestigious instrument was turned into a horrible nightmare. Peter was, as you can imagine, inconsolable. Then a London violin dealer told him of a master craftsman who could repair the Stradivarius violin. The repairs were made by the master craftsman to the broken violin. And in fact, the repairs were so perfect that they could never even be seen. And the soaring notes of the instrument were made more beautiful than they had ever been before. All because the broken parts were placed into the hands of a master craftsman who then applied his healing touch to what was so adamantly broken. So do you want to stay broken? Or will you accept the Savior's shattered salvation? Again, we encourage you to head over to our website or the description of this video. We do have a link there with some memorable moments from the NOICs. Also encourage you to share today's podcast so that others can be encouraged and invigorated as well. And so thanks so much for joining us today. Until next time, continue on in Christ.